We had hired badass nerd pirates to blow up television. This show would represent anarchy. This was blowing up the system. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 175 for the week of October 23rd, 2017. I am nauseated waiter David T. Cole, and I'm here with 8th nipple Sarah D. Bunting. Ow. Quick change, Tara Ariano. Where's my wig? And Szechuan Dynasty regular Jeff Drake. A Bob Dole impression will always be relevant. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a full roster, extra hot, great podcast. Thanks for sticking with us through the terrible times that we're Tara doing all the sound effects. Just all kidding. Right. Just Jesus. kidding. Everybody wow. seemed to like it. Wow. Wow. You just, jumped, you just jumped on it, though. You didn't give me one second to finish that. In other wow. words, thank you. Uh, anyways, <laughs> there's a little glimpse Welcome into our back, relationship. and then a question mark. Yeah. Uh, this week we have with us Mr. Jeff Drake. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Jeff. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> this week we are talking about a Hulu documentary called Too Funny to Fail. It's all about the Dana Carvey show from the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, a show that uh, I had completely forgot about until this segment uh this topic came up and then like i had this total kind of awareness flood over me about watching the show yeah, same it's, it was an interesting documentary uh jeff what did uh what were your uh hot overall takes on it i mean i thought it was i thought it was really really well done and i mean it is it's it's hard to ignore like the impact that it had on comedy considering all of the people who were on staff. It just yeah. l- literally like everyone is, is famous. And yeah, so let's run that down. Yeah. We got Colbert, Carell, CK, uh, John Louis, Glazer, John Glazer, Charlie, Kaufman, Dino Stamatopoulos, Dino Stamatopoulos, yep. your friend, Mike Stoyanov. I saw in the credits. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Robert Carlock. Yeah. Robert Carlock. I forgot. Yeah. Smeagol. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Robert Smigel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy amount of talent, and I mean, it's sort of fascinating also to just watch, like it, you know, like it was, like it was doomed from the from the jump, just for a number of reasons. Like it, it probably wasn't a good fit for ABC or for primetime television, but then, <laughs> but then also to be like. Also throwing in like Disney just bought ABC, like so you know, uh-huh. like uh, the whole culture changed, and so certain people who were champions of it probably disappeared, and or like were silenced, and so it just like it was never gonna, it was never gonna be anything more than it was, and um, so it's just fascinating to watch that, and like luckily, like all of these guys like have like continued to do pretty well. And so they all have a pretty good, um, they have a they have a pretty good uh, take on it. <laughs> Otherwise, it could just be. I mean, even though Smigel is like still like devastated by it, it seems like it's sort of fascinating. 
What's, what was interesting to me too, is the uh, two things. One, this is 21 years ago. So when they're talking about having an idea for a show, they're like, well, we took it to ABC, NBC, and CBS. And then I was like, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like later they're like, then we thought maybe HBO. And you're like, no, that really was the landscape at the time. That was the, that was where you could take a show end of list. But the other thing is that all of them talking about how much they wanted to be on Saturday Night Live or write for it. And some of them, of course, did and were on it, obviously. But but also that that was the only avenue for sketch comedy. That was that was basically what you could do. It's not like now where you could be, you know, Donald Glover making videos for YouTube and turning that into into something more, you know, where there's and then have a thousand places that you potentially could sell it to. Like how much smaller the landscape was. It's even more shocking that this made it because it's yeah. so weird. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's the the first kind of big chunk about the show itself after the get beyond just the talent that was involved in the genesis of it is all about the decision about what the first skit of the first show should be. <laughs> and as referenced in Sarah's intro, so we should turn it over. To her. OK, <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, a Bill Clinton impression by Dana Carvey uh, in which he says that he Basically, he's going to be the mommy and the daddy to the country, which is going to involve him like suckling like he has had surgery to so that he can uh, suckle puppies, kittens and actual babies, which happens with live puppies and kittens. <laughs> and then he's had a duck's ass grafted onto his ass. It's I mean, it goes on just for what seems like a week <laughs> and like. I think the problem from a like network standpoint is that it was too crass. My issue with it is that it was not funny. Uh, I did yeah. watch an episode of the Dana Carvey show. I watched the first one. That mm -hmm. was probably my mistake. Like I'm just not necessarily a sketch comedy person. And this kind of thing is not, I don't know, like the sketches just sort of went on and I was like, uh, I, like I could see why it got canceled. I don't think that was why. Um, but yeah, like, was that crass? Yeah, it was pretty gross. Mostly it was boring. Yeah. And, but the documentary was amazing. First of all, I love that the Chirons would be just random shit. Like yes. or once skipped school, Robert <laughs> Carlock such a sucker for a Chiron joke. Expensive like writer. The like they're really good. But I also really liked that, uh, like nuts and bolts things of like the Nielsen, like minute by minute, yes. and how they went on after home improvement, and then it was just uh -huh. like uh, plummet, <laughs> like plummeting. The the best and whoever part, was like, I'm sorry, sorry to, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. The the best part, like speaking of home improvement, like the best part is when they show that very special episode of Home Improvement yes! promo. And then 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 the Diet Mug Root Beer Dana Carvey show. And literally the they show the best part of the the genius part of that is that they literally took that footage and they showed it to all of the different people involved in the show to get their reaction. And you could tell yep. like they had never seen it. Nope. Like they had never seen it because <laughs> if you're working on the show, why would you see it? You would not, that would not be on your radar to see the, that kind of promo. The like home improvement promo was about a kid maybe dying and then it, yeah. <laughs> cancer it goes yeah. into. It's like, you're going to get through this. And then, 
And then the Diet Mug Root Beer Dana Carvey show. And Stephen Colbert is like paralyzed with laughter. Just like horrified. I mean, it was great. It's also like he's he's crying so hard from the laughter, but also you like wonder like, is he like crying for real? (laughs) You know, like like that this is like, wow, this is as sad as it was. Is that they real this is how like mismatched this you know this union was it just it just such a like for the uh for the for the documentary makers to like have that spark to like show that to all of these all of these people and get their get their reactions it, it was just priceless because all of them were just had like the same same like horrified hilarious reaction it was just that was just a genius part to me well, yeah, and also the when they're talking about that full page ad of Dana Carvey being like ta da next to Kermit the Frog, and just a little detail that like he had like his shirt had been tinted pink, yeah, just yeah. to like be more wacky. Like I guess that's the subconscious color of hilarity mm, or yeah. something. <laughs> but I was just like little details like that that you're just like, uh huh. And then, of course, the the ABC executive that is in the talking heads for this is Ted Harbert, who, like, if I had to write his obit, come the day, the lead would be he canceled my so-called life. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, And he's like, I just love those impressions. Like, yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. would, wouldn't you? <laughs> cool. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a clash of sensibility it is. It was really the other thing that was underscored by that montage of everyone watching the the promo, because like it sounds like none of them watched Home Improvement, which was their lead in. And now, like, who cares what a lead in is? Like, I'm sure it matters some, but v- very much less than it did at the time. And like that they were so from different worlds of comedy that, that they just were not even aware of what was going on. What was probably at that time, the number one sitcom, maybe number two after Seinfeld at, at on television. And they were just like, yep, never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> but they were also like, oh, well, it's probably fine. Tim Allen's a cool guy. He got arrested for a cocaine possession. Right. He can't I be know. that far off from our sensibility. And then it's like the tinkling <laughs> of the very special piano. Like, oh. Yep. Oh, dear. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> well, it's there's there's like two things at play with that. One is like the network is obviously like we're going to try to give them the most audiences possible. Like, so bravo. For for them, for somebody being like, let's give them the most audience they can. We really want this to succeed. We, you know, we want this to be a big hit. But then there's also like, but wait, that audience may not like this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I yes. mean, it's it's a very like on one hand, it's like, oh, the network is is really like really believes in this in a sense. They don't believe in it specifically, they believe in it theoretically. A Dana Carvey show, yes, absolutely, we want that to succeed. This particular one, not well, no, that's not what we want. You know, it was right. Like to watch that evolution from that fucking ABC suit, that guy. <laughs> Jesus, like you're no, you're no Warren Littlefield, my friend. Like, <laughs> but it's also that like it it was that was the again that was the landscape at the time. Yeah. It's like, well, this is a comedy, that's a comedy. Let's put these two comedies together; it'll be fine. People who like comedy will watch it. Mm, no, no. I mean that's and that. I mean that's sadly like there's still tons of people at 
everyone oh, I'm sure. at the networks who have that same belief. They're like, it's a comedy, you know, a comedy follows a comedy. That's, that's fine. They're like, people like, you know, people like to laugh. So like, that's, I mean, that was the whole theory be, you know, behind putting Jay Leno at 10 o'clock, you know, ages ago oh. at NBC. It was like, well, people like to laugh. So, you know, people like, you know, Jay Leno does well in his slot. So why don't we put him on every night, but at 10, you know, it'll be a hit. And it and it was, right? Oh wait, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I watched a little bit more of the show. I think I watched three of the Dana Carvey show, and it is uh, the the episodes that exist. <laughs> the few of them are on Hulu, so you can you can watch both the documentary and the show. Um, and the thing about it is that, like, the documentary makes it seem like it was just they were hitting it out of the park with every sketch, including the weird ones. But, like, it, you know, when you actually watch it, it's like any other sketch show where, like, some are good and some are bad. And if you only re- you only remember the ones that are great. Um, so <laughs> buyer beware if you're going to continue watching it. There's it, because it was uh, it, it it aired in the spring of 1996. There's a lot of. Oh. Um, topical comedy hope you like that steve forbes impression exactly i I thought it was great i was like who the fuck oh yeah yeah like yeah keep making fun of bob dole sure that's that works well cool i mean Mm -hmm. it it ends up being like by because i watched the first episode and then i watched the eighth episode and on the eighth Uh episode they have bob that's what i should have done bob dole undercover which is just a funny (laughs) idea because he's just like he did he allegedly is a man of a thousand faces now and he just goes to like create havoc on the campaign trail and so like and of course he's not convincing as anybody and so it's just funny like on on that part of the concept like whether you know bob dole or not but like earlier on it's like there's like you know in the first one there's pat buchanan jokes and it's like i had totally forgotten about that you can't yeah <laughs> you know it's like i know <laughs> you know tough to get on board with the topical with the topical you know like political satire so mm-hmm. sarah i had a question for you because this was one of the sketches that got a lot of play and apparently got both stephen colbert and steve carell their jobs subsequently on the daily show the waiters who are nauseated by food, did that make you laugh or was it was it horrifying to you? Um, a little both because, you know, it looked like it could go in a chunk blowing direction. I was pretty sure they weren't going to actually barf because they had to talk. So yeah. they're like they weren't they didn't have their mouths full of cream of mushroom soup or whatever. Did you um, more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you never know. Um, True. But uh, yeah, Dan, my husband, who was a waiter. Uh, for a long time was like like walked through the room during that sketch and was like mm, the dan brady story <laughs> especially when they're like because my favorite part is like everything that they're saying it does sound pretty disgusting like if you're already mm. not feeling well but then that the last fed one, veal even yeah. <laughs> it's not the, okay no but the last the last thing is just chicken and he's like <laughs> chicken and then they both double over like it was just perfectly done they're yeah they're great um so yeah i i can see why i could see why that would get them dana carvey's notice uh my question for the rest of the panel is did you find dana carvey kind of a little off-putting prior to this documentary as i did and did the documentary change your opinion of him let's start with dave oh okay well my problem with dana carvey generally is i think he's a funny guy but if if you were able to like surgically 
uh, remove the Robin Williams from Dana Carvey, I think it would be much better. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. that part of him, that go-to sort of manicness, uh, I find not funny, but I find most of the other stuff pretty funny. So insofar that when he was a talking head, he was being pretty normal. I liked him. Um, and I wish he could uh, peel back his his Williams esque ness neediness when he's actually yeah, performing. Yeah, yeah. sweatiness. Yeah. Jeff, uh, I I would say I mean, that's it's funny that that's the that's the question because that I mean that was my reaction to it. I I have the same sort of uh, problem with him in general that that Dave describes. Like I think he's talented, but it's like. But then it's there's just like he's too tiring, much. too. Yeah, yeah, it's very tiring. But then in the documentary, I was like, you know what? Like, a kudos to him for, like, putting this show together and, like, pushing the way he pushed it, considering like his considering what he got famous for. You know, considering how sort of safe his manicness was before and kudos to him for, like. Like to me, I was like, oh, like there's more to him than I thought, because for him to like be fully on board with this vision of like this show that certainly is not like the greatest sketch comedy show I've ever seen. It's 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 not that. But but like for it to for them to just go for like shit as crazy as like that first sketch as that Clinton thing, which I agree, like wasn't as funny as it could have been was mostly just kind of gross and out there, but it's like, it's crazy. It's a crazy sketch, you know, like there's and an so actual like, kitten being held up to the press. I know, I know it's, <laughs> and it's what, actual milk. And you're like, yes, this happened on so television upsetting. in it's our so lifetimes, upsetting. but it's like, it's like Tim and Eric before Tim and Eric in a yeah. way, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like that upsetting, but then also like, he's just much more charming as a talking head. And and you realize, mm-hmm. like, he's just, you know, because it's like, I mean, he's been through, like, a life-threatening illness and stuff, so he's got a lot more, like, um, you know, perspective, I guess. But, yeah, I liked him a lot better. Like, I like him in theory, and then in practice, he's a little hard to take, I guess. Uh, yeah. Ra- ra- wrapping it up, I, got, I have a question for everybody. Everybody showed up except Louis C.K. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? <laughs> Well, not everybody. There okay, were other people on that list note. of writers, but yes, of everyone, he was he was a, a, one of the more famous ones, and certainly represented in like interview clips of him talking about yeah. the show. Yeah, including saying he would quit if Jimmy Fallon got hired, which was funny because I'm like, and now you're both disgraced. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. More about you later. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know also i mean they also didn't get charlie kaufman um right you know and he's that that's a pretty 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 big like hole in it but um you know when it comes down to it who knows how much you know how much of like charlie kaufman stuff actually got on the air or whatever like maybe you right. know uh, it, who knows like it you know he was part of it I found it interesting that like Spike uh, Ferriston, um, uh, like that he literally like the show came on and he was like, I want to be on that show. I want to get off The Simpsons at this point in The Simpsons history and get on. This I think he show. said he was ready Seinfeld. for Seinfeld. Yeah. Oh, Seinfeld. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
either one still <laughs> yeah same either point. one it's, yeah. it's crazy mm-hmm. but but like yeah. i kind of get it for the reasons that like i mean you know when you think about like some of the things that bill Hader said like i won't make any sense to people who are a lot younger than us which is yeah which is like you literally like it aired and then you would never see it again mm-hmm. there was yeah. no promise of ever seeing it again this is how television was. It was an ephemeral thing that was like writing messages on the surface of the water. <laughs> like you would never mm-hmm. like maybe you would be lucky enough that somebody would pick it up and it would be run and rerun somewhere. But like that was the thing. Like you set your VCR to tape it. And then like Bill Hader said, like they ran coach instead. And so he watched coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't have that many choices. Like, you know, you could flip to the other networks and then you'd be like, ugh. That show. Yeah. No, thank Every you. once in a while, I'm reminded that on the television pity forums at the start of that, <clears throat> most shows had a thread about exchanging videotapes across the country with each other when you miss shows. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was the time. Yeah. Including so, the I staff think- forum. Because yeah. sometimes yeah. Seventh Heaven did not get taped and I had to send a VHS mm-hmm. tape. I think uh, Louis C.K. heard documentary and thought, oh, I can't go on that. (laughs) This could go go very wrong. This could break bad. Yeah, that's my that's my or maybe maybe they did do interviews with him and he was just like a bitter asshole. And they were like, wrong, wrong room. And just maybe they did do an interview with him and he just masturbated the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And scene. Yeah. Dear Mr. President. There are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. I am not a crackpot, but when you're making a TV show, whether it be for network, cable, or CBS All Access, please, please, please be aware of how your color choices actually get represented on the final product. I am watching Star Trek Discovery, which I'm enjoying quite a bit. It's actually very good. And I kind of like what they're doing with the Star Trek universe, but everything is blue in this show. The whole discovery (laughs) color scheme is blue and it uses that sort of ultra electric blue that often bleeds into itself becoming sort of like it's it's almost sort of like a living jpeg artifact on your screen (laughs) you may like have watched other shows where it's night and there's like police cars and the lights are going on and the blue and the red of the light sort of have this uh sort of 1970s soap opera quality to it while the rest of the screen is the same uh, that's happening to me all the time in Star Trek Discovery with the blue stuff, especially when, you know, there's like a face and it's lit on one side by whatever blue lights in the room. Uh, all the nuance of the shadows and everything, it just becomes an electric blue pool. It's really mm-hmm. annoying. I don't have a bad TV. It's not set up incorrectly. It's just like something that happens with certain colors in the color gamut a lot of tvs unless you have like a super high-end tv can't handle it correctly and this is something you see in photography this is why photographers sometimes have fancy monitors and stuff like that to work with but it drives me bananas when i'm trying to watch this tv show and suddenly all the blues are like little goblins and and running around the screen and taking up a life of their own so i am not a crackpot (laughs) but check your blues Check your blues. Thank you. And that's when the when the streaming service actually works, which on Sunday, the day that the Ugh. new episode of Star Trek Discovery, jo- Discovery dropped, it did not. It kept crapping out. We still didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah. 
that was pretty bad. Uh, it, it just like it, it would be like it was running out of gas. Every day. you 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 stopped, you started, and you had like five minutes before it started sputtering again. It was terrible. I don't know what backend they're using, but apparently it's not the one everybody else uses that actually works these days, like HBO and and MLB and all that stuff. So yeah, get on the stick, CBS Blue bandwidth. Let's do it. It is time to go around the dial. First stop, Tar Ariano. Choo choo. <laughs> uh, some personal news. I watch Mom now. Uh, Mom <laughs> airs beep, beep, on. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, time for another Tar update. <laughs> I've missed that. I, there's more to say than that. Come on now. It's uh, they started airing it on TV Land because its fourth season just aired, finished airing on CBS last spring. Um, so it, I was getting served promos for it all the time when I was watching my reruns of New Adventures of Old Christine, which I like to watch right before bed. So I was like, you know, why fight this? It's on two hours a night. Maybe I should just check it out. And it turns out it was bad when I first watched it in season one, and then. What's amazing because the the uh, the TV Land airings, one for us at four and one at seven, are on like different tracks. They're they're both progressing in order, but if you only watched one airing, you would you know watch them all in order, obviously. So they th- you can see how much they've course corrected uh, from the bad beginning and made it so good. For example, at the beginning of the series, she's working in this restaurant. There's like hijinks in the kitchen with French Stewart, who's the chef. And she's having an affair with her married boss, who's played by Nate Cordry. All of that just like falls by the wayside and pretty quickly because um, no one cares. Like in the, <laughs> the rest of season one, there's 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 her having like various relationships with other dudes for, you know, a couple of episodes at a time. Justin Long and Nick Zeno come by. They, that's hardly she hardly ever dates in season four at all. Um, the kids both get essentially written out. The older one who's pregnant at the start of the series, she gives the she places the baby for adoption and then she like starts dating the much older David Crumholtz. And I think they get married. I haven't actually watched that one yet, but she moves out. The other kid, that little fucking puke that if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen I posted pictures of him and his stupid glasses and his dumb smug face. He also moves out. He just like his dad gets married again and he goes to live with them and like is never seen at all. No one minds, especially me. Um, And uh, there's a throwaway line. In an earlier episode, and I had actually seen the payoff to it or the the revisiting of the of that plot line later. But in season one, uh, Bonnie, who's played by Allison Janney, tells Christy, the Anna Ferris character, her daughter, that uh, her aunt Janine isn't actually her aunt. And they were dating when Christy was a kid. And it's like this throwaway joke that's supposed to be like, oh, Bonnie was so screwed up when she was high and drunk all the time. She would even have sex with a woman. And then Janine is actually a character several seasons later on the show played by Rosie O'Donnell. And you see like, no, they had a real relationship like this. They actually went back and made this dumb joke good and interesting and like explored you know what their relationship actually was like so i appreciate all of that it's just it's it's hardly even the same show from season one to season four part second point with the wardrobe these are supposed to be lower lower middle class people and so they dress like it they are in jeans christy is usually in like a plaid button down and chuck taylor's like they, she has one nice cardigan that she wears anytime she has a nice occasion like they re-wear garments which i appreciate 
um, the main thrust of the show or, you know, the premise of it is that the mother and daughter both have had addiction issues and now they're sober together and going to meetings, you know, and they're what adventures they get into with the other women at the meetings and stuff. And they can play out over several episodes and are like taken seriously and given, you know, the space and breath to, you know, expand in ways that make sense and aren't super sitcom-y. And the last point, and I know some of you are just listening for the episode where I finally say I'm moving to a lesbian separatist commune, but I'll just say it's not yet. But (laughs) men are barely on the show. There are episodes where like a man will have a line like and he's a waiter taking their order. Like it's 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 so female centric. Um, It's almost all about the you know mother and daughter and the meetings that they go to that are almost only attended by women it's uh it takes them seriously and takes their problems seriously and mom is a good show now don't go by season 1 if you checked it out and then checked out cuz i get it um but i like it and that is all <laughs> for my plug i will mention the discussion uh Eve and Tim's podcast about the deuce, uh, which Dave is about to talk about later, I think. And uh, it's wrapping up um, this Sunday. So make sure you subscribe and like and check that out. If you do end up in a, uh, what was it? Lesbian colony? Separatist commune. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lesbian colony. Everyone picks up after themselves. It's great. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to need a new computer (laughs) because I'll be on it a lot more. And this one's really showing the stage. That's all I ask. So before you go, just open up the the purse and let me buy a new computer. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, no. You never learned how to use money. That's your problem. (laughs) Jeff. Uh, I am here to talk about American Vandal on Netflix. Uh, It is. First of all, it. When I first saw the trailers for this, I thought like, oh, this this looks hilarious, like as like maybe a one episode sort of thing. It's it's basically like a parody of making a murderer or serial uh, only the crime is a high school student has painted 27 dicks on um, <laughs> spray painted 27 dicks on 27 staff members cars. And and it like and in the trailer for it, like it also included the hashtag who drew the dicks. And <laughs> and then in the trailer also, it's like, well, it could like and so it, it it focuses around this one guy named Dylan Maxwell, who's played by Jimmy Tatro, this guy who I guess was a YouTube star or whatever. He is so good in this as like because he's basically just a big dummy. But like he's (laughs) but like it's like that is such a hard character to play. Like without being cartoony and he is so believable and he is so like amazing and and basic. And so it's like these two classmates of his who aren't his friends at all um, decide like they they feel like something that maybe he was framed and so they want to get down they want to get to the bottom of it and it and it's an eight episode arc and you would think like there's how could they possibly draw out this whole like serial spoof like who drew the dicks like you know and it's like oh well it couldn't have been him because look there's no ball hair on the dicks and that's he always draws because <laughs> he's known for drawing dicks and he always draws ball hair and it's like I mean it's it's but like the thing about it is every single the casting is ridiculously good with all of these kids who look like they should be in high school and are really great at playing the parts that they're playing. And it ultimately has so much more to say than you're expecting it. Like the way it plays out is just like, first of all, like at there's a point like my wife and I were watching it and there was a point like 
halfway through, we were like, well, who really did do it? <laughs> you know, you get like sucked <laughs> into this. You get sucked into this mystery. And it's it's just it's really it's really terrific. Like most of these people I have never seen before in anything, although some of them have have shown up in other places and they're all so, so very good. But it's it makes it a lot easier to kind of get lost in it as like this real thing that happened. And it's just stylistically it's done so perfectly. And that and that's kind of the most amazing thing, because shows like like that, like there's so much footage that you have to shoot. Of like there is there is a party scene in it in like the fifth episode or so where they recreate basically like 20 people's um, Instagram feeds of the same party. And so to piece together what happened in this one conversation. So they have like all of it's just it's crazy. The amount of like the thoughtfulness behind it. And then, like, it's just, first of all, it's hilarious. It's it's funny from top to tail. But then at the end, it it's also, like, it also, like, and I don't want to spoil anything about it. It just, like, it adds up to so much more than you than you think it, it's going to when you get into it. It's well worth a binge. It's so, it's so funny and so clever and so smart and just a blast to watch. And uh, so take a weekend and watch American Vandal. You You won't be sorry. I'm so glad that you brought it up because I pitched this to Dave and he was like, did not sound interesting. Well, and I keep getting <laughs> questions about, am I going to cover it on the blotter? And I was like, this looks extremely twee. So no. Um, but now I keep hearing how well it's done. And yeah, also, it, if I'd known that it was drawings of dicks, I would have been in immediately. <laughs> Wish someone had uh, not so, buried that lead, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really it's really terrific. It's it's just a like because it doesn't seem like like, oh, eight episodes of like about a guy who may or may not have drawn dicks. Like, how can you possibly <laughs> do that? But it's like there's so much that it's really it. it's like one of it's just like it. It really knows high school and it really dives into that. And it's just it's it's kind of amazing. So cool. Anything to plug, Thanks. Mr. Drake? Uh not really. Who's your? What's I your did. favorite baseball team? My favorite baseball team <laughs> right now that's currently playing is the LA No, Dodgers. that's not what I. That's oh. not what I asked. That's not what I asked. Kansas City Royals. There we go. <laughs> Sarah T. Bunting. Uh, um, they're my second favorite team. Uh, I am talking about Chance. It is. Uh, it's you know the house San Francisco Noir. Um. I keep calling it House in San Francisco. It is back for a second season on Hulu. It's been back a few weeks now. Uh, for a hyper, like, heightened magic realism San Francisco noir, it's pretty not annoying. Uh, the season's villain is a psychotech <laughs> bro played by Paul Schneider, and he's great. Uh, Hugh Laurie is always reliable, although his accent is uh, kind of vague uh, this season. But I keep finding myself wishing that the focus would shift away from Chance and Dee's, um, like, uh, sensei relationship team up, which is still pretty compelling, to focus more on the women by whom Chance is surrounded, all of whom are consistently giving him the fuck looks in pretty much every scene that they're in. <clears throat> Uh, I like uh, <laughs> Diane Farr. I've always liked her. Uh, she plays his ex-wife, Christina. 
his assistant, Lucy, who's played by Greta Lee. Uh, I am actually not sure as of this recording whether she has survived, but she has green hair and gives great side eye and is awesome. And especially his daughter, Nicole, the excellent Stefania Owen, late of Dorrit on the Carrie Diaries. Uh, Nicole has the best clothes. I have already sourced like three of her outfits and I'm wearing the fox sweatshirt she has on right now. She broke a bitchy <laughs> classmate's nose with the collected works of Shakespeare and was like, whatever, like refuses to apologize for it, basically, even though they're going to sue her. And the show has shown that it's willing to get away from some of the more overly literal, like blonde with a trap secret tropes of the genre in the second season. Uh, I would love them to get a little bit further away from the like standard, like man at the center of it. Um, trope, not trope, but like that's the standard. I would just rather have it be a noir with, all of these women, I understand that because he's a neuropsychiatrist, that gives him access to certain things. But with these characters, I, I think they're all smart enough that I don't think they necessarily need him. I like you, Hugh Laurie, but I think uh, it should be I should turn it over the chancets from now on. <laughs> um, except for Clark Peters, character, Carl and his excellent headbands and restoration business and um, ability to down like five bourbons in two minutes, because that's cool. I can hang. I love him so much. My plug is for The Blotter Presents Summary Judgment, which Tara and I are doing about Law & Order True Crime, The Menendez Murders. Uh, I'd also just like to plug generally uh, Tara's relationship with TV children. Uh, Tara is great with real life children, but her relationship <laughs> with TV children and also with their opposites, raisins, <laughs> is my favorite <laughs> The vintage ways that she comes up with to uh, shit on TV kids is amazing. And you can hear more of that on Again With This, our Beverly Hills Now 2 and 0 podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I just wanted to talk quickly about the deuce where a uh, penultimate episode just aired, correct? Next episode is correct. the last one. And <clears throat> if you watch the first couple episodes and you're kind of hoping for, which I think a lot of people were basically the wire of the porn <laughs> industry uh, and it wasn't really happening. It sort of happened. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. And finally, they're sort of coming together slowly, but surely the mob, the press, the police, the hookers, the pimps, they're all sort of like, converging now and the show is so much better for it and it's become really really interesting um they're taking their time uh but it's really paying off uh, sometimes you know when you watch a show and it's not what you want it to be right away you you know are tempted to drop it and you know maybe a show from somebody else i would have dropped but knowing that you know the pedigree of of this show i stuck around and i'm glad i did not that the show was bad when it started i just thought it was a little uh slow and a little uh uh one or two note and but now i feel like they've brought the whole band and they're all playing together and it sounds great Tara, Dave, what, i have a question you... i have a question yeah. just real quick so it's not you wouldn't describe this show as nude vinyl <laughs> no <laughs> thank goodness no uh but but that said i never watched a minute of vinyl because i could okay. tell from all from right. everything that that was a no-no um <laughs> 
but no, this is good. Um, the one, the one thing I really hate about this show is how they mucked up the credits with this terrible typography font choices. And, uh, otherwise I, I love it. But, uh, Tara, you've been watching along. What are your thoughts as this progress? Yeah, it's uh, it's great. The la- the latest episode was uh, sneakily very funny too. Um, funnier than other episodes have have been, I think. Um, I like Eve and Tim of the discussion have a problem with Abby as the sort of savior figure. So I hope they kind of tone that down. She's the college student who dropped out and is working at the bar that's sort of tied up in shady shit and helping out all the whores here and there. Yeah. Um. But I really like that actress, so I'm, you know, I, I don't. It, it's not hugely bothersome to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, the the James Franco times two thing is kind of dumb and corny, mm-hmm. and who cares? Like th- there hasn't really been any. I mean, not that I'm saying that I want them to do a like switcheroo, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they're identical twins. Like there hasn't been, but at the same time, it's like there's no reason for them to be twins either. <laughs> right. You know, just hire another actor. This is you know, yeah. it's corny. Get his brother. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, get yeah. his brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a good show. It's uh, it, if you if you bailed on it, it it did get. I agree with Dave. It it uh, it tightened up as the season went on. Yeah. Uh, for my plug, I just want to plug two spotted dicks on the Great British Bake Off, which I'll be guesting on this week, which is the finale. Um, nope, it's the second. It's the, it's the semi-final it's not the finale. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Phew. Good. I'm glad that I'm not doing the finale. That's a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, finale's next week. I've been away for a couple of weeks, guys. I'm not really up to speed uh, on what's what. So uh, check that out. That'll be dropping later on. Probably before this. Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Thank you for. I'm sorry. Jesus. Well, oh, I'm sorry. You thought it was Tara, the finale. what's it time for? <sighs> it's time for another Tara update. Uh, I'm presenting Future Fever. The fifth episode of Better Things, uh, its first season. After spending the first four episodes introducing us to Sam, the series protagonist played by Pamela Adlon, who also created the show, this one turns its attention to Max, Sam's oldest daughter, played by Mikey Madison. So even though it's slightly atypical in that respect, I still think it's an excellent showcase for the things that the show does so exceptionally well. For example, number one, and to Sarah's point earlier, the kids are dicks. (laughs) Fine. The kids aren't always dicks, but they can be dicks. They can also have moments of sweetness and vulnerability. And we see that in this episode as when Frankie, Sam's middle daughter, turns out not to be faking sick to get out of a soccer game, but is actually sick for real. And even as a tough tween still needs her mom. Or later when Sam takes her youngest daughter, Duke, to the bank to cash in all the change in her piggy bank, which she calls Martin Luther King. But at age 16, Max is very believably mean to her mom. And Sam very believably just takes it most of the time in apparent recognition that Sam will grow out of it eventually. Uh, Sorry, Max will grow out of it eventually. Even when Max isn't actively hostile, she tries to pretend Sam doesn't exist like when they're out for lunch together. Sam tries to connect by drawing Max's attention to the very bad first date happening a couple of tables over. Max, like an idiot, acts like she's too good to eavesdrop on strangers' awkwardness. What the hell? And when she turns her attention back to her phone and the woman's date goes to the bathroom, Sam tries to save her in clip one. You're so cute. You two don't know each other very well, do you? I met him at the gym. This is our first date. I know. How do you know? Well, I can tell, and he's gross, and he hasn't stopped talking. (laughs) Well, we're just getting to know each other. 
I know all about him. You know, the real estate thing, commercial real estate, <laughs> selling office space, the printer guy who wouldn't move out. And I'm sorry about his sister. That's the <laughs> one thing that was bad. That was really bad. But I mean, give you a second. I have heard nothing about you. Mom, but... Is that your daughter? Yeah. Yes, I'm so sorry she's bothering you, Mom. I'll talk to you now. She's not bothering me. Oh, he's coming back. <clears throat> Hi. You know what? You should sit over there because you both don't listen and I will sit here with your lovely date who you don't notice. Mom? Hi. (laughs) (laughs) That's a guy sort of latching onto Max, who, as we've already said, is 16. Um, I would call all that a teachable moment. Max learns both to stay off her phone when her mom wants to have a civil lunch and what kind of guys she should avoid at all costs. Number two, the kids are taken seriously. We're focusing on Max because she's at a turning point in her life, as we see from a few different perspectives, following her mom from her ballet class, Max's ballet class, which Sam watches, admiring Max's discipline and quiet pride in her talent, to a terrifying meeting with her guidance counselor about applying for college, to a hangout at the beach with her friends, one of whose big ideas for her immediate future is to spend a summer squatting in an abandoned resort and doing mushrooms at Joshua Tree. To a bus bench, which she shares with a homeless guy who may get closer to her than any ever has before. Eventually, Max ends up in Sam's living room as she and her friends have after dinner wine and jokey real talk so supportive and generous that even Max herself. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet. And I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad. So let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W dot com and use promo code E-H-G for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. Can't help joining in clip two. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm really confused. And I'm never getting into college. Oh, honey. Yes, you are. All you need to do is all the... Um, So Sam automatically switches into mom gear until her friends realize this isn't a mom moment and wave at her just to shut up and let Max finish. And that proceeds in clip three. 
I had to start trying to be that kind of smart a long time ago. And I have wasted so much time just being social. Like it's such a waste. And I look back at the last, I, I don't know, three years. I have just been a loser. Getting high. Just drama with my friends. And I am just now starting to realize that I am going to be like 18 in two years. And it's like, I already blew it. From Sam's face, it seems like it's been a very long time since Max was this honest anywhere near her, but she still keeps her mouth shut as her frank and loving friends take over in clip four. You know, honey, I felt exactly like that when I was your age. And when I was 20. And this morning. <laughs> right? And now she runs her own company, so. I'm going to let you in on a big fat secret that we all know about life and that is that you don't ever figure it out and you're always behind and it's kind of always unfair frankly right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know yeah. you're on schedule yeah oh, oh, no. that's Sam crying oh, oh, Jesus. Jesus. The spell is broken when Sam's mother, Phil, storms in from her house across the street, wearing nothing but her old lady corset, screaming at Sam for having stolen the wine out of her garage. But this circle of acceptance even has room for Phil once Sam wraps a blanket around her. In the last scene of the episode, Sam brings Max to a department store and has her try on a very grown-up suit. As they both check out Max's new look, Sam gives Max some advice in clip five. Listen, baby, your future is yours. You could be anything you want. You know those people that you see every day that look like they have their shit together and they made all the right choices and how impossible it seems just to get to that place? Well, look. Look at you. You look like one of those people. And all they did was put on the clothes. And honey, you can be anything you want to be. Seriously, but also, if you just get a job and get by you're still going to love your life because life is good, even at its worst. You came here just to say that to me? Why? Was it shitty? I thought it was going to be good. It wasn't shitty. You liked it. Mm -hmm. I love you. I love you, too. I love you. Don't worry. I love you. Your ass looks good in these. Look. (laughs) It's advice Sam couldn't have given the night before when all she wanted to do was make Max feel better for a second, as moms tend to want to do. Instead, Sam can reassure her more credibly that getting a good adult costume may be all she really needs to worry about for now. 
And number three, it affectionately eviscerates L.A. When Sam has to go to Frankie's soccer game without her since it's Sam's week to bring the snack, she gets buttonholed by another class mom who wants to talk about a third mom's imminent surgery and is annoying about it in an extremely specific, extremely L.A. way in clip six. Will you just pray for her tomorrow? Oh, did she ask for that? The praying? Okay, but it can't hurt. (laughs) No, I mean, it's just that she's really not a God person. Mm. You know, she got upset when the new people tried to do the team circle prayer thing. Well, it's not about that. It's about the power of group consciousness helping her heal. Yeah, is there another thing I can do besides praying? (laughs) Well, you know what? You should sign up to play with her cat. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And after that dinner that we've already talked about, one of Sam's friends' stories about taking his mother to get an abortion takes a regrettably predictable turn in clip seven. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Crazy. That should be a play. Yeah. Yeah. You need to write that. I I tried. I can never write real things, you know? Mm. So, wow. Can I use it? I knew you were going to say that. Unbelievable. It's good. Oh, my God, Nora Ephron. Is that okay? (laughs) As specific as high maintenance is in its New York setting, as I said in my canon presentation about X, Better Things is about Los Angeles. And as a former child actor, Adlon probably has about five million stories like this that she is Nora Ephroning into her show. This episode of Better Things has its hilarious moments, but I also wanted to give it its due for its natural, shaggy, emotional beats, because I really feel like the mother-daughter stuff here is as strong as in my so-called life. Future Fever takes on a big moment in a young woman's life, examines it from a whole range of angles, and ends on a positive note that doesn't feel phony or trite. I hope you'll agree and vote it into the canon, but if you still need convincing, I will very happily sign up to play with your cat. (laughs) Uh, um, I'll start. I had, I think I've watched up to this point of season one of better things, but have not watched beyond that. It's on my list, PTV, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I was pleased to see it cause I liked the show and this made me, uh, this reminded me of my sister-in-law in a lot of ways, just like the way that the sort of like mm, baggy, yeah. warm family of her um and which is always a good thing her name is also sam um and there were so many like good lines that i wrote down but it doesn't feel even though it could feel like um proud of itself for some of these lines it it never like sort of stands back and admires itself for like look how awkward we made that or look how obnoxious this is uh and the the warmth like the the sweet moments are similarly uh, organic and not showy. Um, and I love the design of the show. I like looking at it and, you know, I, yeah. I'm like shop the show lady over here today. But anyway, uh, it's it's a confident show, but it's not like arrogant about what it does. Well, if that makes any sense, um, all of the clips were things that I wrote down to talk about. So I don't have to do that, but I will say that if it's a show that I'm less familiar with, one of my metrics for whether it should go in the Canon is whether I wanted to keep watching. And I definitely did. Jeff. 
Hello. Uh, this I. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I was I, I was very interested to talk about this. I I've only previous uh, other than this episode, I've only seen the pilot, and there are a lot of things I like about this show. But I'm also like, I mean, like all of the points that you make are like are like well deserved about the show, like the. I'm a sucker for like parent and child, like talk about something meaningful and like have a moment, you know, where they, uh, where they actually connect and talk about each other's feelings. Uh, because it's I, I, in my, in my notes, that whole thing, I call that parent porn. Yeah. It's like how they <laughs> wish it would go, but never does. Right. Totally. It's uh. also like, it's also like until I became a parent myself, it was alien to me. Like I never personally experienced something like that. So it's like, wow, does that really happen? Um, so like, and, and I like, I, like, I think I, there's a lot about the show that I appreciate. Like, I appreciate like that. It's like a mom with three daughters and it's like covering that territory, which I, I feel like is underserved for sure. And but there but there are parts of the show that just don't like I feel like the episode is an episode. I would, And I guess maybe this is just like the style of the show. Maybe it's just like it doesn't really like one scene doesn't really beget another. And it it doesn't really for me doesn't really necessarily all hang together. It's like some of those scenes could have been in other episodes, you know, because they just it doesn't seem like like the soccer thing is is like is like funny and it's a it's a great scene, but it I to me it's it you know it's it's not like this happens and then this next thing happens because of the thing that happened before it, and and maybe I'm asking something of the show that the show doesn't normally provide anyway. That this is just more of a like this free form sort of style where it's more of a whatever a pastiche or whatever. Um, and and I sort of like even though I had sort of a weird reaction to like the uh, to like her moment. It's uh, the kid's name is Max, right? Yeah, yeah. To like her <laughs> moment, like with with the mom's friends, and just like. Like while I believed like what she was saying and all of that, it, I, I'm not sure I believed like her doing that in front of a group of people like that, like a you know, like this group of adults. Like I could, I could kind of buy it like in front of the mom, but like, but I'm, but like I'm torn because like it, it still kind of worked for me, and so like I don't know, like I'm super like up in the air about this episode because it, so much of it I liked and I understand why you, why you're putting it forward for the canon. But, but then there's also like, I, I just don't quite know what to make of the fact that I feel like I could just watch like the scene with her telling that she's like lost and doesn't, you know, feels like she's, you know, at 16, she already has blown it that scene and the end scene and like maybe one other, like I, like I could just watch those independently and, and that I don't need the rest of the episode. So I just, I don't know exactly how to feel. So I'm still sort of mulling it over, but um, that's where I am right now. <laughs> I agree weird. with a lot, a lot of what you said, Jeff. Uh, I found that, yeah, it did feel sort of disjointed. Uh, I felt this whole episode felt like, an episode of Louis, except where Louis, when he parents like passes it off, like he doesn't give a shit about anything. 
and you know the sort of a fatalist vibe to it here it's proactive otherwise it felt this this kind of felt like an episode of louis with good reason he's got his hands all over this and uh by the way are we allowed to even watch this now i know right if we're we're scrubbing if if we're chiseling weinstein off all the uh, hieroglyphs uh what what's that mean for this show tara i know Uh Uh um but um i thought yeah you know when (laughs) yeah you know when the uh the pharaoh dies you want to scrub him from history you you chip off all the cartouches from the hieroglyphs so nobody ever knew his name. Yep. History. But, but the hieroglyphs um, are the symbols. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're you chiseling them off. The You're not so chiseling anything off of them. Is my point. Yes. What? Forget it. Move on. <laughs> Sorry. Car ride home. Car ride. Ho- oh wait, that doesn't. No, work. I. I... <laughs> <laughs> You're chiseling away the hieroglyphs yes, of their I names. Understand. Like, 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 like. Strike... I think she's saying you phrased it wrong. Let's move on. Because you're stupid. <laughs> no, let's stay here and figure it out. Deli- delightful. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, I just found that uh, I didn't really believe that the daughter would act that way in any of these circumstances. The daughter that will turn to the mother for all this big moment advice and do it in front of her friends just doesn't seem like a very 16-year-old thing to me. And and that's why I was referring to earlier as parenting porn. I think think it's a lot of wish fulfillment, uh, perhaps things that happened in her past that she wished went differently. I don't know the genesis of the story, but it certainly plays that way to my mind. Um, I thought the joke... um, at the end of the uh, lunch scene was fantastic. That was but great. all the buildup yeah. towards it was totally unbelievable. So it's like a lot of that, like, like there's payoffs, but the buildup, I usually don't buy. So um, that's my take on it. So uh, Jeff, I hope you've been noodling because here comes the vote. Oh, Sarah boy. D. Bunting. Um, hieroglyphs. Just kidding. Uh, yes. For me. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> <laughs> worth it jeff drake in a moment i'm saying no it's all up to you now jeff it's up to, you're saying no and it's so it's up to me and i feel like i feel like there's definitely a divide here male and female that it has that this episode maybe has a lot more appeal to uh, to a female viewer because of the relationships that are happening in it, or, or maybe I'm just a dumb guy. Uh, I don't know. Either way, I think I'm just so on the fence about so many parts of it. I think I'm going to have to vote. No, I'm sorry. Ah, well, Oh dear. Better things. (laughs) Season one, episode five, future fever. We had y'all set. To go up there on the extra great cannon. <laughs> but now we got our chisels. We're going to chisel your face or whatever I said that made Sarah That's so, so up. upset that I'm she had to spend upset. 12 minutes correcting me. You're upset now. It was nine minutes. <sighs> and so here at the end of all things, we discovered that better things future <laughs> is not part of the extra hot great cannon. <laughs> <sighs> Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. It's time for winner and a loser of the week. Tara has our winner. Uh, winner 
are collectively the Kardashians because they just signed a deal valued between 100 and 150 million dollars to stay on E for five more years. And you know what? I don't watch their show, but God bless them. They've got fucking hustle. <laughs> no one does it like them. They might as well make that paper while they can. I do not begrudge them. Congratulations to them all. My wife will be so happy. <laughs> Yay. Then I'm happy Loser. for Wendy, also the winner of the week. <laughs> <laughs> The loser of the week really is all of us. Dave, do you have the uh, do you have the clip I asked for? Oh, the clip you say? Yes. <laughs> yes. Of the theme of the th- of the thing of the thing of the thing of the thing. I had the it, Benson but it's gone. theme. No. Benson, oh. don't make me sing. Oh. Yeah, you might have to. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Robert Guillaume has passed. It is a loss for all of us. Uh, and also Bill O'Reilly, just on general principles. But yes, late breaking news. Robert Guillaume. Uh, go back and watch his uh, the episodes of Sports Night in which he figures heavily because sometimes that show could be a lot, but he always bailed it out. And we will miss him. Oh, there it is. <laughs> right there at the end, Yay! I find. <laughs> uh, speaking about is this Benson, do you know what time it is? <laughs> it's game time. It's game time. So, (laughs) wow, wow, okay, wow, great given. That card came out fast. Really did, really did. Um, It's been an hour and flippantly. (laughs) It's what she would have wanted, guys. Uh, This is the seventh game time of the season. Season scores currently are Tara three, value guest two, Sarah with one point. All the games while I was gone were non regulation. Yes. We had one nice. game and it was non-regulation, correct? Excellent. Today we are playing TV limericks from Suli Hussein, who earns himself an extra credit. <laughs> redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of his very choosing. It's very simple. I'm going to read a limerick. And by read, I mean probably butcher. And you're <laughs> going to tell me what the show is about. Okay. He does uh... say that some of them don't have the absolute optimal rhythm here. So that's going to help a lot. But uh, pretty simple. I'll read it. You guess the show. One point. I think this game's going to be decided on the few that you don't get. Uh, most of these, I mm. think, are gettable. So with that, okay. let's figure out the order. We will start with valued guests. Okay, yes. Our order is going to be Jeff, Sarah, <laughs> Tara. Are we yep. ready to play TV limericks? Yes, sir. Yep. Jeff. Yeah. Teams compete to get places first. You go home if your time was the worst. Follow the clues, manage not to lose, then to the million dollar prize will be dispersed. Um, uh, Amazing race. That's good for one point to Sarah. A racist father opens a bar with liberals he'd verbally spar. A lovable bigot? I'm not sure I dig it. Let's hear it for Carol O'Connor. <laughs> uh... Can I hear the first line again, please? Uh, a racist father opens a bar. Okay. Uh, Archie's Place. Was that the name of that? Archie Bunker's Place? Mm. Oh, okay. You got it right at the yeah. end there. Archie Bunker's Place. One, just one point for just these, one right? one point. Tara's first. 
They're the spouses of those who fight for what America thinks is right. They all have their issues, so reach for the tissues and watch this on Lifetime at Night. Army wives. Army wives. I'm sorry. Did Jeff get his first one right? Yes. I did. Okay. Thank you. One of the longest still going soaps, although its ratings have it on the ropes. About Hortons, then Brady's. They came in the 80s. Now, watch how everyone in Salem copes. Salem. Uh, General Hospital? Days of our lives. I have no idea if Stu Mills are still into play. I don't keep track of that, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was checking, and that's why I missed Jeff's, uh, that's why I missed Jeff's first answer. Here we go. Uh, to Sarah. A family can't find its way in the deep black to Earth they'd all like to get back. The robot will warn them of danger and mayhem <laughs> if only their ship stayed on track. Lost in space. Nice. A superhero with PTSD opens up a detective agency, solving tough cases on a regular basis, yet another mm-hmm. Marvel character for NYC. Jessica Jones. Correct. A Midwestern girl moves to the big city, but her roommate turns out to be shitty. There's a little Dawson's Creek when in comes Vanderbeek. There's no way New Yorkers are all this pretty. (laughs) Felicity. (laughs) No, that is don't trust the bee in apartment 23. Okay. All right. Was Vanderbeek ever on Felicity? I don't know. No. Probably not. Um, All right. A high school teacher realizes he'll soon die, so he becomes a really unscrupulous guy. Some tasty <laughs> blue meth and a gratuitous death help this rating shows ra- shows a rating fly. Excuse me, help this shows a rating fly. Breaking Bad, yes. <clears throat> uh, Tara, mm-hmm. the story of how a camp grew into a town where prostitution, gambling, and murder went down. While searching for gold, dramatic events unfold, but extensive use of profanity made some frown. Fraser, just kidding, Deadwood. <laughs> and you ought to know, you're Deadwood. <laughs> this drama took place in a southern courtroom, where a folksy lawyer saved many a client from their doom. With <laughs> orations so grand and confessions on the stand, this old procedural is a delight to consume. Matlock. Say it yeah. like Grandpa Simpson. <laughs> two day points for value guests thank you I was waiting (laughs) this show started with a hotshot city doc whose wife drowned their son like a cat in a sock his bestie works on brains through six season he remains this is some premier CBS medical stock Chicago Hope Really? Uh. Oh my god. Oh. All right, bring us into a first score break for Tara. Yep. From 70s daytime serials, a spoof. Racy plot lines help ratings hit the roof. You need I even mention the butler named Benson? This powerhouse cast that was foolproof. <laughs> R.I.P. Soap. Correct. All right, first score break. Okay, uh, Sarah and I are tied with four each. Jeff has two. I will also mention the valued guests do have two steel meals. So uh, he's got that in addition to Equalizer Zone. Uh, talk amongst yourself as I realize I need to open up the new Trivial Pursuit TV 
Yes, box that we have since received. Dave exhausted uh. the first box that he got from Adam Grossworth of Grossworth Equalizer fame, Thank he you. actually bought the TV edition. Now we have hundreds or thousands of cards. <laughs> well done. All right, so this is now ever. the gross, Grossworth uh, Kirsten challenge <laughs> in honor of the uh, Fort Awesome guest who brought with her this pack of cards. So here we go. Uh, who's who's this for? It's Jeff? for Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, did you have a question before we start? I just uh, what the steal a meal was. If one of you misses it, I can guess. Is that correct? What okay, that's all. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm you really have to buzz in quick before I give the answer. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay, here you go, Jeff. Yes. What Ford car division was Ed Sullivan a tireless spokesman for in the 50s? <laughs> wow. Uh, what what Ford division? Yeah, what division of Ford? Uh, Ford trucks. Uh, no, that's not the way it works. Oh. Um, okay, hang on one sec. Well, I, I just want to give you some more information here because <laughs> this this is the TV edition card set for use with Master Game. Okay. And because this isn't just one box, it's like two full long boxes, you know, like the Iroquois Longhouse <laughs> style one. Sure. Like your standard box of tri- Trivial Pursuit right. questions. Yeah. Or, or the Iroquois uh, Longhouse. Yeah, this yeah. actually has categories. Okay. So that was drama. Okay. And then there's kids what? and... There's kids and games, sitcoms, stars, classics, and wild card. Okay. All right. Okay. So keep that in mind. And this was obviously later. I'm trying to find a date on this thing for just so we get all the information. 1991 says the copyright. Okay. 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 All right. What was the answer to the one I just missed? Okay. That was Mercury. Oh, Mercury. Ford. Oh, got it. All right. Got it. Just a classic drama question was yeah, that what classic, that was. Classic TV drama. <clears throat> Sitcoms. Oh god. Whose malapropisms include the political percussion is over and you're invading the issue. And this is in sitcoms? Sitcoms. Oh, uh, character mentioned on this podcast episode already. Oh wow. Oh. Mm. Jesus. Um well, there goes my guess of um, uh, Balky. That's all I came up with. <laughs> Sorry. Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker. Oh, oh okay. of course. All right. This is drama. Okay. Oh, the first one was oh, classics. Sorry. Okay. That makes okay. sense. First one was classics. All right. That was sitcoms. Here comes drama. Who fathered Dallas's Lucy Ewing? Who fathered uh, J.R.? Okay. Good old Gary. Oh, sure. Remember Gary? <laughs> no. <laughs> Kids and Games, what former late night talk show host was Quizmaster for the Disney cable version of College Bowl? What former late night talk show host? Um, Quizmaster Byr- for the Byron Disney Allen. College Bowl. Byron Allen. Dick Cavett. All right, you can't get it, but let's just do these questions. Stars, sure. which Smother Brothers sang on Give Peace a Chance? Which of the Smother Brothers... Which of the 14 Smother Brothers sang <laughs> on Give Peace a Chance? Tommy. 
correct. Yay! Wild card. What did the Dumont network protect itself against exposing <laughs> when it kept bouquets of flowers on hand for, in quotes, emergencies in 1950? Wait, say, say that again. That's very confusing. The Dumont they kept network. flowers. They kept flowers around for this emergency. Um, uh, for um, Jackie Gleason's body odor. What? Cle- cleavage. Oh, cleavage. Cleavage. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, okay. Also, shout out Dan Rogie for that reference to the Demont Network, one of his favorite go-to punchlines. All right, we're back to the game. Yeah. This soap was set in a cul-de-sac. It had ratings CBS would love to bring back. A spinoff of Dallas with characters callous. Intrigue and murder kept this show on track. Oh, is this me? Um, oh, uh, it's, uh, oh, shit, I know this. Um, uh, it's two words. Falcon Crest. Oh, so close. Damn it. Not slanding. Not slanding. I'm doing really well so far. To Sarah, Tim Allen is a sitcom <laughs> dad again in a family that's lacking in men. They learned real fast and replaced some of the cast with another five seasons since then. <laughs> oh, what's the name of that shit sack? <laughs> they just canceled it, didn't they? Yeah, Fuck, they I did. Mean, maybe. I don't know. Headline was shit sack canceled. I shit sack canceled. <laughs> Trumpist shit sack canceled. That's my answer, because I don't know. <laughs> Steal. All right. Oh. Last man standing. Correct. Yay! You got it. All right. Just one night's work. And Jimmy's a dad. The mom's on death row for crimes real bad. At just 23, he needs his family. In parenting, many laughs are had. Oh, no. Raising hope. Wow. Correct. A lovable dad runs a department of research whose company often leaves the little guy in the lurch. Money before people, they say. A motto they live up to each day. Our protagonist tries his best. His honor not to be smirch. Uh, better off Ted? <laughs> yes. Wow. What? Oh my god. I Number 17. Spread Eagle. Spread Eagle. <laughs> a sitcom named after its main straight man who often delivered jokes deadpan. A big city psych who's easy to like. Of phone gags, he was a fan. Frasier? Mm. Nope. All right. Okay. I, 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 I was just waiting for a steel mill just in case. Uh, that is the Bob Newhart show. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. I thought it might be, yeah, and then I. All right. This is to Tara. This comedy is set in a police precinct. At 22 minutes, it's rather succinct. A stone faced boss among police chaos made the jokes on this show quite distinct. Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Oh. Correct. A show about making comedy sketches. The bonds of reality it occasionally stretches. It's star Tina Fey plus a Will Arnett gay contribute to the amount <laughs> of laughter it fetches. <laughs> 30 Rock. Correct. Another show for us blah, another show for us to binge on Netflix. This one's about a bunch of wrestling chicks. A real Real badass ladies and hair that is so 80s. That's quality entertainment. Son dicks. <laughs> Glow. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I messed that one up. 
Several thousand years, we turn back the clock to the fictional town of Bedrock, enslaving animals without misgiving. But hey, I guess it's a living. And when they drive, they still kind of walk. <laughs> the Flintstones. A show that is set deep in space <laughs> about a crew of a ship and the challenges they face. They travel planet and moon, but were canceled so soon, leaving a very angry fan base. <laughs> uh, Firefly. Yes. Originally a spin-off of different strokes, but what but after one season they got rid of most of those blokes. A boarding school for ladies throughout most of the eighties made great comedy enjoyed by many folks. Facts of life. Yes. All right, number 24, bring us into our second score break. Okay. Ladies in London help with birth after birth. In difficult circumstances, they prove their worth. Thank God for nuns. They're truly good ones. Good thing the show travels to us from across the earth. <laughs> Call the midwife. Oh. Correct. <clears throat> okay, big changes. Uh, I have eight points. Sarah and Jeff are tied with six each. All right, Jeez. so that means, guys, get this. You get to team up and split the dividends. Ah. So if you collectively... Get three of these six questions. You split the two questions uh, to two points. You would have gotten. All right. Okay. okay. Are you ready? Classic. Guys. What superhero made three acquaintances? What superhero made three acquaintances forget his true identity with a dose of Professor Pepper Winkle's anti-memory vapor? <laughs> Any thoughts? Professor Pepper Winkle's anti-memory vapor. Sounds like somebody uh, got roofie. Yeah, I'm gonna guess <laughs> underdog. Sure, superhero made. All right, underdog. Yeah, get this, Superman. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Okay. All right. Sitcom. What sitcom theme tells you you want to go where everybody knows your name? I think we got this one. Cheers. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Huh. The answer is cheers. Uh, possessive for some reason. <laughs> Cheerses. Oh, okay. So I guess. <laughs> oh. It was Cheers's bar. It's the moops. <laughs> uh, this is drama. What Atlanta set movie classic did Ted Turner use to launch his TNT channel? Gone with the wind, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. Okay. Gone with the wind. Correct. Oh, guys, you're so close. All right. You need one of these last three. <laughs> What adventure series was set in Britain? Oh, this is Kids and Games. What adventure series was set in Britain in the year 1191 AD? Adventure series. Yes. No idea. Young Knights of the Templar? No clue. Yeah. Something King Arthur-y. I don't know. Will Arty? The Adventures of Robin Hood. Oh, that oh, guy. All right. Yeah. This is Stars. Who played the wife on Macmillan and Wife? <laughs> oh, that's um it's Rock Hudson and uh Jill St. John. Agree. Is that the answer? Sure. Oh you're gonna you're, Susan you're gonna, St. James! Yeah. <laughs> three named <laughs> yeah. three named Damn actress it. with Saint. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I could I could smell where your brain was going yeah. on that one. All right. <laughs> Wild card. Okay. Uh-oh. It's our last chance. What long-running, hour-long science documentary series debuted on PBS in 1974? Gotta be Nova. Long-running. Right? I will add still running. Oh, gotta be, good clue. Gotta be Nova, right, Sarah? I think it's gotta be Nova. Let's, it is yay! Nova. <laughs> good work partner well done well All right, done so, that- so our scores Thanks, now Jeff. are you guys are both tied with seven i have eight very very close game this is question 25 of 36 an animated school where all the students are doubles affection for egyptian princesses i'm gonna start that over hieroglyphs oh you you just you shut your mouth <laughs> nope. shut your answer hole <laughs> So glad to have the whole team back together, guys. All right. Okay. Everybody just please kindly shut the fuck up. All right. Here we go. I'm trying. (laughs) Uh, I might just leave that in now. Um, Question 25. Limerick 25 for Jeff. Yes. Yes. An animated school where all the students are doubles. Affection for an Egyptian princess by a U.S. President Bubbles. If pres- if provoked a hunger strike, and the show took a hike, so MTV could forget about some of its troubles. Uh, it's the it's the world's most favorited show, or at least this podcast's most favorite. Clone High. Yay! A demon sets out to conquer feudal Japan, and he's almost stopped by one royal man who is thrown forward in time, facing an uphill climb, fighting so he can still finish his plan. This is for oh, Sarah. Uh, Samurai Jack. Yes. I almost Correct. said Ootlander, but that is not correct. <laughs> Tara. Yes. In the early aughts, ABC decided to make a go and put on another late night show. Its name is a lie. Tape while the sun is still high with music provided by a bland- band called Cleto. Jimmy Kimmel Live. Stories of women, some okay, some great. And a main character that's so easy to hate. Who's in with some thugs for trafficking drugs, one of the most bingeable shows to date. I'm sorry, give me the top again. No. <laughs> Stories of women, some okay, some great. And a main character Orange that's is so the new easy black. to <laughs> you Two doctors run us. <clears throat> I swear to God, Helen. <laughs> Two doctors run a center where you change your physique. The morals of whom are just a tad weak. From breast breast augmentation <laughs> to vaginal rejuvenation, they'll give you something to heighten your mystique. Nip tuck. Razor. <laughs> Benson. <laughs> yes? Hieroglyphs. This was a famous CBS game show where contestants proved the trivia they know. The lights they thought were random were outsmarted by one man's fandom, <laughs> and for that, into the EHG canon, it did go. Press your luck. <laughs> All right, back to Jeff. Yes. Set in a high school for the performing arts, teens would pour out their souls and hearts. Spun off of a movie with a theme song so groovy, it soared to number four on the pop tune charts. Here's where you start paying fame. <laughs> That's a different strokes. That's a different strokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody else recognized that. Um, to Sarah. 
question. Did we miss somebody? Did we skip a question? Oh, I see what's happened here. Uh, The numbering is incorrect. So this is actually, that was your last question, Jeff. Uh, Here's your last question, Sarah. The game show featured couples young and old who found out how well they listened and what they'd been told. Sometimes they'd fight over answers not right, leaving one or another spouse out in the cold. (laughs) The newlywed game? Correct. And Tara, here's your last question. Okay. This procedural focused on human remains and a doctor with some impressive brains. Her partner's a guy who works for the FBI. Their coitus ended up giving her labor pains. <laughs> Jesus. First of all, not enough limericks have the word coitus in them. Second, I think this is bones. Hey. <laughs> Correct. Hey. All right, let's get the scores, please. Jeff and Sarah had 10. I had 11. Dara! Oh, wow. All right. I'm sorry that we uh, had to cut everybody's one short, but I do have a couple here now because of that. We can just do for shits and giggles. Okay. <clears throat> uh, maybe just one. Uh, he was just your average boring guy until he was forced to become a spy because of info in his brain and espionage he did train featuring the one and only Zachary Levi. Chuck. Chuck. Uh, Sarah got it. And uh, that's the steel meal for Sarah. Hey. All right. This is the real tiebreaker that was provided. And I'm not sure exactly how I'm supposed to read this because this clue is a Shakespearean sonnet. Oh my so God. I'm not quite sure of the uh, okay. the tempo here, but uh, I'm just going to read it. All right. And Suli asks, if you wouldn't mind, can Dracula read this? So oh here. Yes. Oh, well, a lot of layers. Hey, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, guys, I'm, I'm just here to make everybody happy. I understand. That's what I do. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm so happy to be back. I say bleh. <laughs> Revenge will soon be mine through the stock market. Who cares if my show was just kind of meh? When the show comes on, you sit down and park it. I can't believe I got just one season. Please tell me what good is eternal life when a show gets canceled for no good reason. And why did that girl look like my dead wife? Please... I still make appearances on EHD to please my many adoring fans. Why I never meet Dave is a mystery, so soon I must go to make more devious plans. So here is my question. (laughs) Answer, you must know how many episodes were in my show. Oh, wow. First answer gets two steel meals. Wrong. Ten. Yes! Yes! You guys get two steel meals. Way to go. Pulling it out there at the... Oh, wait. (laughs) Been a while, guys. And there we go. Tara! Tara. Job, Tara. Tara, congratulations. That puts you within one of the season victory. Well, we're going to do this outro over again, guys. You're not going to hear the first one, but just just assume I, did, I fucked it up real bad. <laughs> that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We started things off with the Taco Bell Extra Hot Great discussion of the Mountain Dew Dana Carvey show, Doc, Too Funny to Fail. For a rather blue, I am not a crackpot, and a trip around the dial with stops at Mum, American Vandal, Chance, and The Deuce. 
Tara's candid pitch for Better Things Is Is Future Fever could have been better received. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was the winner of this week's Limerick Game Time. Remember, we're listening. <laughs> I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariana, <gasps> Sarah D. Bunting, but it's my day for snack. <laughs> and Jeff Drake. I wish Dave would talk more about fonts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could. Don't worry, he will. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time right here on Extra Font Great. <laughs> this is what they wrote. You are the worst critic in America. Anything slightly outside the mainstream probably makes you realize how fat you are getting, how little hair you have left, or how sad and disappointed you have become in life. How does it feel to know you will never again have sex with a woman under the age of 45? Who would write something like that? This has been a production of the Previously.tv podcast network.